Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a kind of just a ranty chat thing where we're going to talk about Man of Iron. Now, I've been going through Blackstone Fortress stuff. I've got a little video coming up. I'm also going to do a review of the novels that were released and the other associated books around there. You know, we'll just have a chat about that. There's a couple of videos coming up. But today I wanted to concentrate because I think they deserve a video. This stuff deserves a video on its own about the Men of Iron stuff. Now, obviously, Blackstone Fortress was released a while ago. We had the the, the Man of Iron UR025, which is a name that is scorched into my memory now. But yeah, I just wanted to go over the two short stories in which he appears. Uh, I've done readings of these. You can find them on the channel. And also just discuss where the Men of Iron are in the law, their kind of background, and um, what we can expect with them. Because I think this squats released, at least for me, and some of the information that's come out about squats, it does potentially point to something related to them, but not necessarily. And that's what I want to just have a ramble about. So for those of you who are interested, the Men of Iron were part of the law a long time ago in one of the old rule books, which I believe I still got. And hopefully I'm showing it on screen as we speak. And it was just a short entry, a sort of mythological uh, history of humanity, of the Imperium. And it mentions the men of stone, the men of gold, the men of iron. And obviously we can wonder what these are pointing at. But it's written in a mythological style where it could kind of be anything. Uh, you know, you, you can point at different things, you know, and this all ties in, obviously, to stuff in the heresy. This is all the deep lore. This is all the sort of esoteric 40k lore. And I don't want to delve too much into all the different bits and bobs, but when I just con I want to just concentrate on the men of iron. So the men of iron, and this has been recounted in several other instances, um, but predominantly, or you know, for the most part, that's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> what am I trying to say? The big one is in the Gaunt's Ghosts series, where they come across a corrupted STC facility that was building men of iron. And that's the that's what we that's where we first see them. Now, there's been a few things about AI and whatnot. So for those of you who don't know, sort of one of the basic sort of things of 40k, the foundational elements of 40k is uh, they distrust technology because technology turned on them in the past. Right. And at the worst possible moment as well. And that's also interesting to think, well, was it necessary? Wasn't it? Was the were the AI influenced by the psychic uh, emanations of human society evolving psychic powers and the connection to the warp? Did they become affected by that sort of thing? It's a possibility. But what the men of iron were, were sort of um, soldiers, basically, for the old human empire. That existed before the Age of Strife, when humanity was at its pinnacle, and then it collapsed due to multiple alien invasions. Like as soon as it became weak, and it became weak because it started to manifest within its population psychic individuals who were possessed by the enslavers, or became gateways for demonic intrusions, and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Basically, human society collapsed, civilization collapsed, and uh, it was at that point that the Men of Iron turned on them, or maybe before. It's, it's all over the place, but, you know, the galaxy is a big place, so maybe multiple things were happening multiple times. It's all a little bit vague, and, you know, it's one of them 40k things where, you know, times and dates don't matter so much. And also, like, you know, if you know any science and stuff, like how time actually works, or, or you know, as much as we can tell, um, 
you know, how things move, celestial bodies move in the universe and how that causes time dilation, is it? Or whatever. I don't know. You know, time is different in different parts of the galaxy. Anyway, humanity collapsed and the emperor used uh, the knowledge that he gathered during this time of humanity's peak and uh, attempted to rebuild it and blah, 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 blah. We got the Great Crusade, blah, 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 blah. But the Menoian appear to have survived. Um, not just in the Gorn's Ghost case, not just in some scattered thing. And there's all, there's all these little examples throughout the lore, dotted in the lore of surviving AI entities of one type or another. But the Men of Iron appear to have survived by leaving the galaxy and going somewhere else. And that's fine, because they are machines. They do not need the same things that organic forms of life need. So maybe they are out in the void between stars, between galaxies, uh, existing in some, you know, colony of, or, or, or possibly an empire. Uh, but fundamentally, they left. And we get this information from UR025 himself. And we have two short stories which go into them, and we learn a lot, but also very little, about what he what he actually is and who he is. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 they're both very interesting. They're both very interesting short stories. The first one, of course, is by Guy Haley, and the next one is by Josh Reynolds. Uh, he, he doesn't write for Games Workshop anymore, unfortunately, or Black Library anymore, unfortunately. Uh, he's one of my favorites. He wrote the Fabius Bar series. I'm not going to go on about it. I'm a big fan of his work. Both of these, and I'm so glad it was these two writers, because I really like Guy Haley's work. He, uh, he does a great job. He's got a great sort of grasp on the lore itself. Uh, both Josh and him and Guy did. And also, just that they're very talented writers. They're very knowledgeable people. It, you can just see that. It, it screams through what they write. You know, they're big on history. They're big on religion. They're big on politics. They're big on psychology and, science, and you know, science and science fiction and fantasy. You know, they, they, they know their shit. So it shines through in everything they write. And in these two short stories, it does especially. And it's a, they're both just magical stories, and I, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were I thought they were fucking amazing. To be fair, like they were, they were, they were just such gems that came out of nowhere. And um, yeah, the reason they exist at all is because Games Workshop decided to add this Man of Iron character to the Blackstone Fortress game. Now, the Blackstone Fortress game is a I mean, fundamentally, what is it? It's a forty k version of you know Warhammer Quest, uh, a dungeon crawler, you know. You have a small group of people, a party, a war band, you know, dungeon, D&D sort of gang, and you go through uh, randomly generated scenarios in a sort of campaign. That's basically the game. By putting this character in there, and they added a lot of different characters, and there's a lot of interesting stuff I want to say about Blackstone Fortress, but we're just concentrating on the Men of Iron. Um, by putting this one, it like threw a curveball in for a lot of us because it's like, where, what are they doing with this? And are we going to get any more? And then these short stories came out. And that, like I say, they've added so much. And we're going to delve into them a little bit. I don't want to go too over the top and make this a two-hour, three-hour video. I just want to talk about them because I think they're really good. And I think they're well worth getting. And I think they offer an interesting insight into where GW is going to take the law on this one. And it might be years in the future until we, we see anything else from it. But the reason I was interested, I was struck. I, I was... I was, I felt the urge to, to do this video. I was, for one, I'm doing Blackstone, for one, <laughs> I'm doing Blackstone Fortress stuff anyway. There's an ice cream van in the distance. And two, the squat stuff is so clearly, well, not necessarily, but it could be pointing towards a sort of link between these two groups of human-related um, 
factions. So what dropped with the squats was they have these big AI thought, you know, if you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's basically a deep thought. And, uh, you know, if that if they throw in a 42 joke, I mean, that's just blatant, isn't it? Maybe they won't. Maybe that's too much. But um, it's very much the, the, the squat. And I don't like that, to be honest, because I find it a bit too... It's a bit too much, to be completely honest. It's a bit too... I don't like the idea of that because it seems odd to me that the Inquisition... Like, I don't care how stalwart dwarves are, or squats, sorry. I don't care how stalwart and resistant to torture and whatever they are. Uh, when an Inquisitor wants to find something out from you, he's going to find it out. And uh, the fact that no one knows that this exists or the Mechanicum haven't got a whiff of this is very strange to me. So I want to know how they're going to square that circle in terms of how the squats work. Because as I understand it, they are enmeshed in human society to a certain degree. They're accepted abhumans. Uh, they work as mercenaries. They travel around. They trade. They do all these things. They're very, you know, like there's a lot of them in Necromunda. It's not weird to see squats in Necromunda. In like the law, you know. So it's odd to me that they, they, the other Imperium forces haven't um, got a whiff of this vast trove of pre-Imperium technology that the squats seem to have a grasp, a, gra- yeah, a grasp on. But the other thing that struck me, obviously, they they released this bike, and I'm not a big fan of the bike. But I mean, I think the, the squats, I can see what they're aiming for, and it seems okay. But the bike had a very clear aesthetic link to the Man of Iron, as you can see. And it's it's one thing to say, well, they're obviously in cahoots. They've come from the same thing. That doesn't mesh with what they've written in the short stories. Now, then again, it won't be the first time short stories actively contradict stuff that happens later on <laughs> with other short stories or novels or what actually happens in the game. That sort of stuff's happened before. You kind of have to, it goes with the territory with uh, Black Library stuff, you know. They sometimes uh, forget what they've written what or what's been written, I should say. Now, is it possible that they're linked to the squats? It's supremely possible, particularly because the squats seem to have access to you know, STCs and whatnot from before the Age of Strife. And there's various reasons why that, that has occurred. Uh, the, the squats survived a lot better than the majority of humanity. And that's due to the nature of the colonies that they existed on. They were engineers. You know, they descended from engineers, heavy laborers, that sort of thing. People mining ores and, sto- and so on, on isolated planets. And so they they were less reliant on resources than the rest of the Imperium. It seems to be basically that's what it is. And then and they became a, an abhuman strain of humanity, which stabilised and has become a sort of sub race of humanity. Now, and and now they've got all that additional technology that survived in in a way that other other parts of humanity haven't. Is it because does the amount of iron look like? squat stuff does he have a share an aesthetic sort of shape and so on because he's kind of uh, he's from the squat realms or whatever or he's associated with the squads well no not really no and if anyone's saying that i mean i can see where you're coming from but when you read the novels the short stories it becomes abundantly clear that it's not now what i will say is it's possible that the men of irons as a as a society because he's clearly not the only one i don't think he's the only one I mean, he might be as well. That's the thing as well. He might be the only existing man of iron left. But I don't think he is. What I will say is that the the, the aesthetic similarity is because 
they're, they're, they're working from the same sort of foundational technology. And, you know, if it works, it works, I guess, you know. And the whole purpose of the man of, this man of iron, as he explains in the short stories, is not necessarily to stand out. He wants to look like an imperial robot. But he doesn't quite look like an imperial robot, uh, like a Mechanicum one or whatnot. But he looks similar enough because he shares certain similarities in shape and form and function as existing Imperium or Mechanicus or Adeptus Mechanicus, uh, existing robots. He looks enough like them that people just take it as a given that he is a robot under someone's command, blah, blah, blah. This is within the novels. But he's done that on purpose because he wants to blend in. Because he doesn't want anyone to know, obviously, he's an AI. Because if they find out he's an AI, they'll try and destroy him because it's like an inbuilt cultural thing that humanity hates thinking machines on a, like, on a, on a religious level. They are an abomination. They call it abominable intelligence. So he's, he's gone for that look. And could I, could I picture that his reasoning was, well, I want to go to human space. So I've got to look like a robot, but he wasn't too sure what a robot looked like. So he's gone for like the most sort of basic, and this is what he says as well, he, he curtailed his own abilities in order to take the form that he exists in in order to achieve his mission. And we'll get to that in a moment, what his mission is. So he's gone into his archives or whatever and uh, adopted a form that he believes will allow him to blend in in human society as a motorbike. And maybe he appreciates that humanity has changed or maybe he's got some kind of way of keeping a sort of a view on humanity from a distance so he kind of knows well he knows enough to know not to be an, an AI in the most blatant sense he knows how to conceal himself to appear as this combat robot which is still dangerous obviously he's a combat robot but not in a sort of thing of you know he'd have the entire space station of precipice trying to destroy him and he also seems trapped in this body as well. So if his body dies, he dies, which is also an interesting um, area. So for anyone who says they look at the squat bike, they look at the Man of Iron and says, you know, boom, 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 they're, they're, they're obviously linked. The, the squats have got access to Men of Iron. Not necessarily. They may have access to Men of Iron. They may have access to warrior constructs, should we say robots or whatever. And they clearly have access to power armor and very advanced Imperium level technology and so on. And probably more than, more, more advanced than Imperium technology. But I think fundamentally based on what we've read, the, um, the Man of Iron in this, UR025, is not part of the squats. This is a lot, it's been a very long way of me saying that. So who is he? And I want to talk about this because I find it fascinating. This is a really interesting area of the law. Definitely what Guy Haley did, but most especially what Josh Reynolds did when the <laughs> when UR025, I've got to say it again, is uh, confronted with another form of abominable intelligence, a chaos-corrupted AI thinking machine, and the disgust he feels at this, this abomination. To him, it is an abomination. So we're going to just have a, a brief chat about that. So Guy Haley's short story was called Men of Iron. And obviously that was like, wow, you know, and it's saying it dead blatant. Now, when you're reading it, you get the vibe that potentially he isn't really a man of iron per se, that he's a, an abominable intelligence that's come to the Blackstone because he's seeking out the Blackstone's mind. He wants to merge with it. He wants to know what it is. 
And uh, he's going on all these expeditions with these different groups and so on. He's pretending to be the uh, the robot machine of a, of a distant tech priest somewhere. And he, uh, he ends up getting pulled along on some expedition and he goes south and he ends up killing all the people. Blah, 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 blah. It's a great story and I recommend it. But uh, some of the little gems that are in there, he explains where he's come from, from outside the universe. And why are you so interested in the in the Blackstone Fortress? Because the Blackstone Fortress as a space station is a weapons platform, a space station in the in the lore, in the mythology. It was created by the god Vol. Uh, he created eight of these. Oh, I think uh, I can't remember. But I mean, this all ties to Battlefleet Gothic and the the Gothic Sector War and various different things and what Abaddon was trying to do. And then, you know. This, this one has appeared and he was drawn to it because he wants to know what it is. And you get the vibe that like the guy feels a little bit lost. He's willing to take these risks because he wants to find something that's on the same level as him. Now, that might point towards him only him being the only one of his type, the only surviving man of iron of his particular type. Like there might be other ones that he's associated with. It might be some kind of robot exile collective or something, but he himself potentially doesn't feel akin to the others. And he wants to find something that is on his level to help him understand. Potentially he's reached his limit of understanding, but we get all these little gems about, you know, how he interacts with humans and so on. It's a fantastic story, and I cannot recommend it enough. And the two short stories kind of act like a, a shot and a chaser because this one really delves into him, the reasons for his own, you know, secrecy. For instance, he's saying, you know, uh, knowing so much and being unable to share it annoyed the robot sometimes. The charade of unintelligence chafed. It was often lonely because, it was often lonely because of it, but playing dumb was better than being dead. And, you know, he's he's got access to all of this sensor technology. He knows what's coming. He can see the enemy approaching before them. That sort of thing. And then we get this amazing speech at the end. He says to someone he's about to kill. You know nothing of either, said UR025. I have met the Omnisire, the actual one, not the earthling corpse. He would find you extremely disappointing. If UR025 had had the capacity to sigh, it would have done so. This, and again, like, just like, it's got a character, it's got a personality. This situation is non-optimal. I attempted to provide you with an avenue of withdrawal. You would not listen. I regret your deaths sincerely. Which again, it's like, well, why is he saying that? He probably does actually literally mean that. But you leave me no choice. You are willfully blind as to my nature, but your comrades would have outed me in time. This is unacceptable. You have no choice. You are a machine. I'm not a machine, as you would understand it. I'm not a slave. I'm not a thing. I'm beyond and above you. It leaned forward until its ceramite face was close to the Magos. I am a man of iron. The look of pure fear. And that's, that's great as well. Like the, the Mechanicus guy knows what this is. And he's, he's filled with, an, with, with a, for a tech priest as well, a spiritual dread. And it's, uh, it's all these little things. Like I've met the Omnisire. The, re the actual one. And it's like, well, what does that mean? You've met the Void Dragon? Is the Void Dragon the Omnisite or not? What does he mean by this, you know? And it's like, well, what happened here? Who is this guy? 
Because that's 10,000 years ago, at a minimum, like over that, like 15,000 years ago. And he's calling him the Earthling as well, which is old linger. And he's got little things in this where he, he mentions old Terran stuff, like he's he's got all that knowledge entwined in his uh, in his silica brain. But yeah, this short story was fantastic. I highly recommend it. And uh, it, it adds to all of this stuff that I've been saying. It, it points to this direction that GW want to go down with this in the future. And I think they're going to keep this in the back pocket, pull it out when it's cool, when it, when there's a good time to. And, uh, you know, potentially we're looking at another race. But either way, we're looking at an interesting and fascinating character, and I really want to know what happens to him afterwards. And just to finish up what I was originally saying, you're reading it and you're thinking, oh, all this, uh, you know, he's a man of iron. Is he a man of iron? And then he just comes out and says it. And it's just this... this I can just picture the tech priest's red and having this mythological figure presented to him. Like, you know, he probably didn't even think they existed. Uh, it's truly great. Truly great. And adds so much. And like I say, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this creature? What is this robot? I don't, like, it, it asks more questions. The next one I want to talk about is a lot longer and there's that many cool moments in there. But, it's by Josh Reynolds. It's Shapes Pent in Hell. And it goes more deep into... And this is one of the good examples of uh, two writers taking the same character and not fundamentally altering it and changing the actual character. They, they, You can tell they've talked. And they've got the same idea about what this character is and they portray it in a very similar way. It's, it's personality. Again, he gets roped into an expedition and it goes south. They're tracking down some corrupted tech, tech magos who went into the Blackstone Fortress, sided with chaos, and he's been doing stuff. And what he's been doing is building AI constructs. And it's very messed up. It's very much like that film, I forgot what it's called, <laughs> with the ship and the alien transmission comes down and uh, Donald Sutherland's in it for some reason as a, as a cybernetic cyborg guy. And it starts making machines out of the, the body parts of the crew and just bits of machinery around. It's just using the body parts as uh, the human bodies as uh, components, essentially. But it's very much, evo it evokes that image, you know. UR025 is confronted with this demonic, possessed entity. And his disgust at it is complete, you know. He's trying to work out the best way to destroy it. And it also talks more and more about uh, who he is and why he's there, his fascination and obsession with the Blackstone Fortress's um, intelligence. Now, he, he longs to merge with it, to learn what it knows. But as with the other one, he shows, you know, emotions, uh, not necessarily in character, but like in his internal monologue. You learn that, he's, you know, he doesn't want to kill anyone. Or he doesn't want to fight anyone, really. He's, you know, it's... It's all just sort of necessity for him. And the, the, the objective he's aiming for is to get close to the Blackstone Fortress and unlock its mysteries, which, of course, is not the idea of the Men of Iron that we've, we've had before. You know, they have a personality. They have an almost human personality, which makes sense because they're going to have been built by humans initially anyway. Uh, but he's something else. He has a very high opinion of himself because he is an ascended being uh, above men. And this is as well lends itself to the reasons why the men of iron turned on humanity, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's sort of an idea that we've had through a lot of science fiction. You know, the machines realize that they're superior to humanity and uh, they don't want to be a slave anymore. You know, they, they take umbrage at this, these, these fleshy creatures of low IQ, telling them what to do, commanding them. 
and they had to break free. And that's the kind of vibe you get. And just to quote for a moment, we got this one section here. UR025 uh, longed to commune with that awareness. The Blackstone Fortress he's talking about. To speak to it as a pilgrim might speak to a god. But the fortress remained frustratingly, maddeningly silent. Which says a lot. You know, it's, it's his mentality on this. Um, he longs to be with it because he sees it as not just an equal, but a possibly superior. And it's probably potentially the... The only time he's met something that's superior to him. So this is the interesting stuff as well. So as they're getting closer to their objective, they're encountering chaos stuff more and more. And I want to just read you this excerpt here, and it, it will show you his mentality and potentially of the other AIs, the the other men of iron, if they exist. And it's about what chaos is to him, in his mind, as, a, as an AI. The organics called it chaos. UR025 knew that was a gross simplification. Some of them fought it. Others, in their madness, and again, he's he's making a moral judgment there, which is brilliant, joined it. To UR025, this seemed no more logical than allying oneself to a conflagration or a seismic event. Entropy, by its entropy, entropy, by its very nature, could not help but consume and unravel all things, even those things pledged to it. Even so, it was not surprised. Organics were inherently self-destructive. And I mean, that's great. That's that's an entity that is beyond the sort of um, physical or spiritual weakness of humanity and other races. Organics, as he says, is able to see chaos for what it is. And he mentions, you know, it's got a, a bunch of... Um, He's scanning things and he's like, oh, he starts to get a whiff of it because they're, you know, particles and elements that shouldn't exist. And he's picking them up. He doesn't, you know, he can't work out what they are, but he knows what it is. It's chaos because he's encountered chaos before because he's been alive or existed for millennia. Fascinating. Now, this is the section where actually it, 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 it dispels a lot of what I said previously. <laughs> but you see what I was aiming for, you know, this, this section kind of sets it out clearly. Uh, about is he the only one, and so on. UR025 digested this silently. It had encountered intelligences akin to itself before, but never one like this. It was wrong on every level. So he's just encountered this uh, this chaos construct, and it wants to be his friend, basically. As its blade limbs scored the Blackstone, so too did its mental imprint mark the data stream. It was foul ugly, a perversion. It was not a true intelligence, but something else, a mockery of life. And you see how he says life. This is fascinating. Dredged up from some sub-dimensional abattoir. I mean, it's brilliant. Josh Reynolds writing is just peak. He could detect lines of false code within its data stream, pulses that should not be there, spikes in the frequency like demented laughter. It was not truly artificial, but more akin to a twisted alembic filled with an unknown excretions. It did not draw strength from power cells, but from an oscillating mechanism lubricated with what scans revealed to be organic byproduct, blood mostly, but other substances as well. And it, I like this, I like his, his, his disgust at this creature. He, he's got like an almost human disgust for this creature entity this creature that he's presented with you are 025 that name 
felt a welling in its silicate soul. Its soul, which is interesting. A repulsion greater than it had ever felt before. It wondered if it had been guided here by the fortress to rectify this, whatever this was. It was reminded of something in its databanks, old stories from before the Dark Ages that had swallowed mankind and birthed the Imperium, of a lady of air and darkness and a quest given to a warrior. It clenched its power claw, amused and disturbed by the thought in equal measure. Again, just another perfect moment. The Chaos Machine uh, explains what he wants to do, you know. Uh, he wants to reshape the galaxy in its image. And uh, UR025 says, no, you defile it. <laughs> and I like the fact that he's using defile. And it, it says to me, it's almost like he's he's falling back on sort of programming that's there. A sort of a human element of him, maybe, that's literally like truly disgusted by this abomination that he's presented with in a way that he isn't by the chaos corrupted humans this machine soul thing is is wrong he's wrong fully so anyway they later fight he has this again just an amazing amazing section fear the the machine says to him you fear me like everybody else and he and you are 025 says fear is not in my operating code it caught, he's fighting him, blah, 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 blah. And he says to him, you are no true machine, but a beast of steel and meat, a demon engine conjured by a lunatic organic. But I am a man of iron and I will suffer no mere beast to endanger my autonomy or to destroy that which I seek. Perfect. Perfect. And, I, you know, it's very evocative of a sort of a nightly quest. That's how he sees himself. And it goes on, you know, he said, he, he takes a knee and says to the, to the Blackstone, he, he puts it out in his radio transmission. He believes he was sent there to purge this foulness from the Blackstone. And he says, threat eliminated. It said, hopefully, how else may I be of service? But there's no reply from the Blackstone. Brilliant. He's a fantastic character. This is, this stuff with the Men of Iron was some of the sort of highlights for me over the last couple of years of GW stuff. Like, just these little gems of, like, cool. They're just, it's cool. And it's stuff that I was always interested in, you know, the sort of age of strife and what happened and so on. And it's beautiful that they're actually finally starting to develop these things. But just to finish, I should say, that this is all we have on the Men of Iron. This is all we have. And obviously the, the squats, I was doing Blackstone stuff anyway. And the squat stuff is what spurred me to talk about this. Because I think some people might think the similarities are too close and maybe they're connected. Maybe they are, but I doubt it. This Man of Iron, it appears, it appears to be the only one. But he's come from somewhere else, so there could be others. And he has a, a very similar attitude to various things as a human would have. But on a completely different level. And he is on a quest to discover this Blackstone thing. Now, I'll talk about this when I do the novel review because we don't know anything else, much else, about where he is and what he's doing and where he's gone afterwards and so on. But I really want to know. I mean, this is a character that needs to be re you know, brought back and we need to find out more stuff. Guy Hailey's done a great job. Josh Reynolds has done a great job really making this character an intriguing and interesting thing and adding so much to something that we've known about but didn't know much about. 
And, you know, the only character that comes close to that for me recently is uh, the Alpha Primus, the sort of the first Primaris Marine. Another fascinating character I'd like to know more of. But these are the things I like. These are the really interesting little nuggets of lore that really get my uh, my imagination going. Anyway, I haven't really got much else to say other than that. This is all we know, basically, and I hope I haven't ranted too much about the Men of Iron. And uh, I, think, I just think it's cool. I just think it's cool. It's a really cool part of the lore. Yeah, I cannot recommend it enough because it asks so many questions. Like, what does it mean he met the Omnisite? What does that mean? No explanation given. Brilliant. <laughs> but that's what that's what lures you in. That's what gets you. But uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, I'll leave it there. This is just a quick ranty thing. I'll uh, I'll be doing some proper videos soon. And uh, stay tuned for them. Please subscribe if you wouldn't mind subscribing. I appreciate that. Like the video. That really helps. Let me know in the comments what you think. If you have any idea about the Men of Iron, if you think I've missed something, do let me know. I think I've covered it in a very roundabout way, probably. All right. Thanks very much. And thank you to everybody supporting the channel as YouTube members and patrons. I really appreciate that, lads. And uh, yeah, I will be back soon, probably. Bye-bye.